Seeing by Moonlight, a novel by M. F. Thomas and Nicholas Thurkettle, read by Thomas Viborg Thune. Purchase a copy of Seeing by Moonlight. Visit Amazon or any online bookstore. Alex had an instinct for that singular word to sum up the character of one of his cars. To describe Philibert's flat, that skill came up with the word gravitas. There was not a wall that did not feature at least one book, and some held hundreds, vintage scientific instruments, their brass still polished, added romantic color. Other devices seemed irregular and unique, inventions never turned over to mass production. Dark-stained wood anchored every corner, subtly carved with markings he couldn't identify. The floors, too, were uniformly wood, with ramps connecting each room to accommodate Philibert's wheelchair. Alex waited alone with an iced tea stimulated by the room. He felt a kind of attractive danger about being in it, as if he stood to investigate any object in the room, it might open some strange door into history that might just absorb him completely. He had not been the straight-A student in school. The people around him, especially the girls, made for much more interesting study, so curiosity about science and history was new to him, but he now felt a faint stirring of interest, and who cared if it was just because he might want to belong in Elise's world? The same tall valet wheeled Philibert in now, and Elise was with them. The elder man had seemed formidable from the first, but his home enhanced that strength like a throne under a king. Welcome, young traveller. I must thank you. It is not often one gets to introduce another to a great city, and you have allowed me, in my old greed, to introduce you to two. His eyes, as always penetrating and alive, trained on Alex. Alex felt prodded by them as if he were a fruit being tested for soft spots. With no desire but to match a graciousness alike, he responded, If you are promising that Elisa will devote yet more time to showing me Zurich, then I am the one who feels greedy. Philibert left that thought hang for a moment, then turned to his valet and gestured at him. Armando! Would you do me the great courtesy of bringing in what I left on my work table? The tall man gave a small bow and left the room, and Philibert continued, perhaps toying with the conceit that Elisa was a lure in his conversation. By whatever means you can, I wish you to enjoy more of Zurich before you return. It is one of the Truly great cities. It's funny, just yesterday someone was telling me the same thing about Munich. Also quite true, 
and the journey between them is diverting. Although Elisa tells me that you had an unusual encounter on the way. Alex looked to Elisa. She had her finger on top of an old globe and she walked around it slowly, seemingly half listening, until she felt his glance, looked up and smiled. He turned back to the great uncle. I don't know how you'd describe it. This very big gentleman cornered her in the refreshment car and kept trying to push this hat on her, kept saying, It's yours, I'm sure of it. He wouldn't let her go until this funny little guy claimed the hat himself, said it was his wife's. Philibert had that twinkling look again, and Armando returned to the room with something in his hands. Yes, I see. Philibert took the object and held it up. A hat like this? Alex, who kept waiting for the pleasantries to skip away and for the discussion of BMWs to begin, looked at this hat trying to cross the threshold of confusion to reach curiosity. Well, no, not really. Look a little closer. Look past the surface. Alex gave it another try. The hat was unusual. It was a dark tan with flaps for the airs and reminded Alex of an old bomber's cap that covered the head all the way to the neck. Although it lacked the white wool inserts Alex associated with a bomber's cap. But the oddest part was the way the shape of it hinted at things inside the fabric, heavy strips sewn in and concealed. It's funny, they both had that way of sort of hanging heavy, you know. Philibert guessed Alex's thoughts. Like there's something hidden away inside? Yeah. I want you to do something for me, Alex. I want you to put this hat... Elisa. Alex had been told that a real adjustment of flying the continent might not hit on the first day. He had been told that the second day would be when the body began to rebel against contradicting signals, began to demand that the sun and the moon treat it sensibly once again. And he felt some of that now. It was a thick discomfort. He'd been able to ignore or embrace a hundred tiny strangenesses for adventure's sake, but now this one simple but illogical request had left him feeling completely adrift. Philibert read his queasiness. Alex, do not be distressed. We have handled our business, and now you are our guest. This is a curiosity. You may find enlightening. My niece will not scream or fight you if you approach. In fact, I am taking an old man's permission to unmask for you that she considers you a charming and interesting fellow, if you had not yet realized it. Elisa did not give him the satisfaction to blush but rather gave an exasperated shake of the head. Philibert noted it with pleasure and again told Alex, Here, take the hat. 
Alex looked at the pail and spotted arm, outstretched to offer the hat. He saw that arm quiver slightly, pride resisting decay in those muscles. Just to relieve the old man, he took it. Now holding it, he felt the flexible metal frame inside, unusually heavy. Good. Now look at her. She is relaxed. Just approach her, reach out, and set it on her head. Alex looked at the hat again, then looked to Elisa. Did she know what this was about? Did she trust her beloved great-uncle so implicitly that she was just playing along? He could glean nothing. So he took a step towards her, reaching out, and then suddenly stopped. He heard Philibert's voice. You are thinking to yourself, why should I participate in this nonsense? Or perhaps you are admiring her tousled hair and suddenly cannot bear to shove it into such an ugly old hat. And now it feels heavier in your hands and she looks so young and helpless that to force anything at all on her is simply too much. But whatever it is you are thinking... I can't put it on her, Alex realized. He looked at the hat dangling in his hands and felt utterly stupid. And for all his apparent muscle, neither could the gentleman on the train. She could only put it on herself. Elisa, would you be willing to demonstrate? Elisa screwed up her mouth into a squiggle, then cast her eyes upward and shrugged. Alex set the hat down on a couch arm. She picked it up, and after a momentary glance at her uncle, set it on her head. Alex had a queer feeling like someone had switched off a TV in the room he hadn't known was on. Something he had not been at all aware of had just disappeared. He felt an immediate and inexplicable disquiet. The world felt duller, lonelier. And then he looked at Elisa and understood why. She had paled and was blinking too much, showing all the signs of a distressing headache. He had never seen her in such discomfort, and he could well believe that famous empathy his mother always talked about had been activated. Under the circumstances, Alex didn't mind it. He could consider it gallant. It only lasted a moment, and then Elisa removed the hat. Her hair spilled across her eyes, and the whole room seemed to brighten again. Alex looked over to Philibert. The old man looked considerably excited. I don't understand, Alex confessed. What you don't understand is what makes you interesting. Philibert made a gesture to Armando, who turned the wheelchair and began to convey him out of the room. But perhaps you will be interested in something else. Eliza, I think it is time for a treatment, yes? Whatever clouds remained on Elisa from wearing the hat 
gave way to her smile. Oh, yes, uncle. As Alex trailed the two-member family, he asked, Does she help you with your treatment? No, my boy, the treatment is for her. Magnetism, Philibert announced as they entered the bright but windowless room. The direction of the flow of electrons, one of the fundamental forces of our universe, and yet one whose implications we so frequently overlook. When we think of gravity, Alex, we think of the thing that compels the apple from our open hand to the floor. We do not think of it as the thing that keeps our earth from hurtling straight away from the sun and into the darkness of the cosmos. We have the same poverty of respect for magnetism. Elisa gave a familiar chuckle as she padded over to a table in the center of the room. It was clinical but comfortable, like a masseuse's table, fed into a round chamber. Alex had needed an MRI after a knee injury a couple of years before, and he realized it bore a resemblance to one of those apparatuses. Yet it was somehow older and newer at the same time. Some of its components looked decades old, but were proudly polished and integrated. And all at once Alex recognized the hand behind it as the same one responsible for some of the devices in the other room. Philibert made things, and this no doubt had helped him make his fortune. Elisa slipped off her shoes and stripped off all her jewelry except for the watchful eye ring. For that, she slipped on a heavy glove. At this moment, with so little idea, just how a trip to buy a car had led him into this room, Alex noticed that he had, for several consecutive minutes, held a frozen, nervous grin on his face. He felt a kernel of irritation at Philibert, who was at this point openly toying with Alex's ignorance. At least, it would not be much longer before he understood everything. Our brains teem with electrical activity, Philibert continued. When that electricity stops and cannot be restored, is when we say someone has truly died. Our bodies are mostly water. Seventy percent is the number usually roughed out. I often wonder if extraterrestrials ever did find us. Would they see past the small portions of meat and bone that sustain us and simply see water? brought to consciousness by patterns of electricity. Elisa's head was already inside the chamber, and her voice bounced out. He is not one of your students, uncle. Philibert turned his attention to a panel of buttons and dials. Of course, my dear. He threw a conspiratorial observation over his shoulder. She hates to have this pointed out, but she truly prefers to be the center of attention. I hear you. He laughed, then studied a screen. 
Ah, here is her brain. I would know it without even seeing her. I used to run a very special school where this device was created. One of my proudest days was when Elisa was accepted there. It took more intelligence, you know. He fine-tuned his settings. Certain brains have a capacity which is never developed. If it is not there, we cannot create it. Forcing any change upon the mind can damage it terribly. Uh, but for those with the right potential, the correct application of... And he pressed a button, starting a hum in the room. Magnetism can do a remarkable job of encouragement. Now the machine reminded Alex even more of the MRI with that rapid thudding pulse. Philibert had ceased to notice Alex's presence and fussed over the controls like proud chef over a stove. Maybe that's what he was doing, seasoning Elise's brain. And she was so willing, treating it as if it were as normal as a stethoscope. With her head obscured by the little magnetic cavern, Alex watched her relaxed body on the table and found this more than pleasant. He watched her knee bend up and her bare foot turn another one of those little circles. He smiled, the smile that comes from being the only person in the universe who gets to enjoy that sight at that moment. He had taken more than one woman home and then parted forever without ever having experienced a moment like that. And now that foot turned towards him, and the toes all bent in a row twice. She was waving at him with her foot. He quickly turned towards her face, but it was still out of sight. Somehow she knew that made his skin tingle. The treatment didn't last more than a few minutes. Philibert made his final adjustments and powered down the machine. He interlaced his fingers across his chest and leaned back, satisfied. Elisa pushed herself out of the machine, eyes stunningly wide. She sat up slowly, and Alex felt some force in the air, like the pull of an undertow. Philibert had mentioned gravity, and maybe that was it. It was like all the gravity in the room flowed towards her. She looked wrung out, but satisfied. She practically glowed. That one felt different, uncle. Philibert took off the reading glasses. It is your second to last treatment, my dear. Just one more, and at last you will have your true potential in reach. Elisa looked at Alex and he suddenly knew all those sensations of the last twenty-four hours, their instant and exciting familiarity, that strange and heady courage that had grabbed him. These things were not the symptoms of everyday chemistry. Something was at work here, something absolutely palpable. That machine had brought it closer, or maybe just more into focus, like the turning of a telescope lens. 
He thought of the watchful eye. He could not stop looking at her, and it was about something beyond beauty. He was connected to her far more deeply and dangerously than he could ever have orchestrated in less than a day, and it hadn't been done by his actions or her feelings, but that same something in the air. Philibert's voice broke the quavering silence. If you have listened to me, then you know I do not extend this invitation to just anyone. Would you like to try it? Alex looked at him now in shock, and Philibert gave a tooth-bearing smile. You already sense it. It's all over your face. You know she is special. But what you are just allowing yourself to think is that part of how you know her specialness is that you, too, have something different in you. Wouldn't you like to know it better? Elisa stepped clear of the table and gave him an encouraging nod. It doesn't hurt, Alex. You can trust me. Alex could not deny the power of the moment or his sudden hunger. He stripped off his watch and shoes, emptied his pockets as Elisa had done. He lay down on the table before he could slide his head into the chamber. Elisa placed a hand on his cheek. The brush of her fingers felt both soft and enormous, like he could sense every whirl of her fingerprint sliding over a hair of his beard stubble. I'm so glad you are doing this, she whispered and kissed him on the jaw, just below his ear, as his head slipped into darkness. Philibert flexed his fingers over the controls, and the world exploded. Seeing by Moonlight, a novel by M. F. Thomas and Nicholas Thurkettle, read by Thomas Vyborg Thune.